I left my Bible down here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, that's okay. I've, I've still got other Bibles up here anyway, but there's just something about this one I like, you know. Hallelujah. You all got your particular things you like. I do too. Amen. Well, if you would, open your Bible. Uh, yes, Holy Spirit. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. I wasn't planning on going that way, but you know what? We're going to go a different way today because last week I was teaching on Revelation and I wasn't done with that. I'm not done with it, but the Lord said, I want you to teach on this today. And in over 15 years of ministry, um, I've pretty much taught what the Lord has told me to, to teach on and, and very few... Easter Sundays, Resurrection Sundays, have I taught on uh, the resurrection specifically. I'll mention it indirectly in that and things like that, but today we're going to talk about that. As the Lord said, I want you to talk about that today. I sense things getting ready to happen. It wasn't that the Lord told me something's getting ready, but it was the way he told me about preaching about it. That I, I, I sensed that things are about to change dramatically in the realm of the spirit. And so it'll overflow into the realm of the natural. So it's important that we as Christians, God's people, be ready for what's getting ready to happen. And um, we've got to get back to basics. All successful businesses, sports teams do the basics and they do them well. All right. It used to be, it, I say it used to be, we could go into a restaurant and then we like those restaurants because anytime you went in there, it was always the same. And if you've noticed, it's not the same anymore. Why? They quit doing the basics. Okay. Galatians 2, chapter 20. And the Lord spoke to me here right during praise and worship. And I said, Father, I've never seen I I never fully saw it that way. I, I knew it. But I didn't see it this way, if that makes sense. Verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul takes this, makes this statement here that he was crucified with Christ. We as believers, we were crucified with Christ. Well, what did Jesus' crucifixion mean? Well, it paid the price for many things. All right? For sickness, by his stripes we were healed. He became poor that we might be rich. All right? He was bruised for our iniquities. Um, the blood of Jesus washed us and cleanses us from, from all sin. So once that takes place and you see you start to get a revelation of that, the only thing that remains is righteousness. If you've been cleansed from, cleansed from all unrighteousness by the blood, the only thing that remains in you is righteousness. There's no unrighteousness in you. It'll change how you think. See, but lot, most Christians look at themselves and they say, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Then you need to get born again because you're no longer an old sinner saved by grace. If you're an old sinner saved by grace, then you're still in that process. No, you're never really born again. See, that would give you something to ponder about. You'll change, how, you'll change what you're saying because 
Jesus made you righteous. Nevertheless, you live, but Christ lives in you. So everything that Jesus experienced at the cross, the price that he was paying at the cross, you were crucified with him. You paid the price. Not you specifically, but you through him, that price was paid. So see, don't ever think that you have to pay that price again. That's like going to a restaurant and somebody paying the bill for you, and then when you get ready to leave, they say, here, you got a bill. You don't say, well, okay, I'll go ahead and pay that again. You say, holy, hold that problem. They paid, the, they paid that for me. I seen them hand you the, the, the money for it. I seen them pray, and you gave them a receipt. And they even told me they were paying. I watched them pay. You, you, you'd be that adamant about that, wouldn't you? Right? Okay, well, see, you've got to be that way when the devil tries to come take things from you. That pastor doesn't mean pay. No, I'm paying that. No, 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 no. You go get some other turkey to do that. It ain't going to be me. Okay, so you start to get that understanding. Now let's go to John chapter 24. John 24, and I will read, I'm going to read to you a couple of scriptures here, and then we'll really get into the meat of what we're going to talk about um, today. John, I'm sorry, did I say 24? I meant John chapter 12. There's no 24 books in John. <laughs> John chapter 12. And... Um, I'm going to kind of set the stage here because in verse 20 it says, And there was a certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same that came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Well, Philip comes and tells Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now, he's responding to this man's question, I want to see Jesus. So keep that in mind. That's what's going on here. Verse 23, And Jesus answers and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Okay, now let me read that to you. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I want to read to you from another, another version here, the Passion Translation, just a couple of verses out of there real quick, starting in verse 24. It reads this, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me, will find true life and enjoy it forever. Now, at first part, you don't think too much about this, but when you start to get into it, you see the man asks a question, I'm going to see Jesus. Now Jesus responds back, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it, 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 it abides alone. 
In other words, he was, he's answering the man's question. If you want to see me, you've got to die. You have to die to yourself. There's only way you're going to see him. Because here, here's what happens, and it's happening in the church today and happening in the world. Suicide is an all-time high. Right? All-time high. Why? Because it's a grain of wheat that hasn't died to itself. It abides alone. All these people feel one thing in common. It doesn't matter how much money they have, because money will buy you happiness. There's, there's stars, Hollywood stars and uh, sports stars that have all this money. I mean, come on. Making $35 million a year and you're not happy? Well, then obviously money can't buy that for you. Why? Because you abide alone. I'm, 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 telling, I'm speaking to people here today online as well as here in the, in the service. If you feel like you're all alone, it's because you haven't died. You haven't died to Christ. You haven't given your life. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. The church is not going to get you into heaven. The church's purpose is to put heaven into you. That's the importance why we come together in the body and we receive what the Father is standing right here and the Son is here and the Spirit is moving upon you and trying to put into you heaven on earth so you can have days of heaven on earth. So you walk in the power of God. So Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and he's speaking also of himself at the same time. The man wanting to know, I want to see Jesus. The way you'll see me is you have to die to yourself. You have to hate this life. And the Bible version of hate is not something you do right before you hit something or you walk away. It means to put of no value on. So when the Bible says, love your neighbor, he that hates his neighbor has no life in me. What's he saying? You don't have any value on your, on, on your neighbor. You hate him. It changes how you look at your neighbor. It changes how you look at everything. It should change you how you look at the church. It should change you how you look at the pastors, the fivefold ministry, how God's moving through things. Nobody's perfect. Jesus is the only one that's perfect. So if you're looking for perfection, you're not going to find it in a church. You know, I hear people say just goofy things about, well, I went to this church and they didn't love me and I left. Well, when you find the perfect church, you'll have to leave. Why? Because you're not perfect. That's right. Don't let offense move you away from the things of God. Just because something isn't the way you want it to be, well, maybe it's not that way because God's assigned you to do something about it. Be a difference. Make a difference. And that's what Jesus said. If... if Except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and dies, it abides alone. If it abides alone, you're in trouble. The world's in trouble. People in the church are troubled. Why? Because they're abiding alone. They have not died to themselves. And that's what he said. If, you, if 
He that loves his life. And I like what the Passion said, that pampers themselves. It's all about them. I mean, there's people that are sitting in churches hearing the gospel message today, but they're not hearing it. It's going into the ear canal, but they're not hearing it. What are they doing? They're in love with themselves. They're in love with this life. And Jesus said, you are, you are going to lose your life. But if you lose your life, for him, you will produce much fruit. Much fruit. And all different kinds of fruit. Peace. Joy. Happiness. You'll bring others into the kingdom. Yes, and you'll even prosper financially. Financial prosperity is the lowest form of the blessing. It really is. But it's a blessing. You'll be blessed in, and bear fruit in your ability to communicate to others, to love other people even when they don't love you. You'll be able to love them. I couldn't do that by myself. I struggled with that for a long time. Why should I care anything about somebody that doesn't care anything about me? Well, that's a worldly view. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus paid a price. And I want to talk about that, how he paid that price today. When Jesus was crucified, you know, we're celebrating the resurrection, but let's think about what he went through on the cross. Because if you don't keep focused on that, and see that what he went through on the cross for you and me, you don't have any revelation about what price was paid because you were crucified with him. And if I've been crucified with him and the price was paid, I'm not going to pay it again. I'm going to reject that. It says, and I'm reading from a book by Rick Renner, who's probably one of the most well-versed Bible teachers in the entire world. He pastors a church in Moscow, Russia. The first Christian church in over a hundred years that's been was built in Russia. He says here in this book, and I'm reading from the book, Paid in Full. He says, there was a group of kind women in Jerusalem who made it their good deed to help Anastas and Anathes. Help me. Anesthesia. And, and thighs. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Administer anesthesia to pe the pain of people who were dying horrific deaths. The women wanted to eliminate as much pain and misery as possible for the scores of people being crucified by the Romans. Therefore, they produced the homemade painkiller that Matthew tells us about in this verse. Jesus was offered this anesthetic twice, once before his crucifixion, and once while he was dying on the cross, see Matthew 27, 34, and verse 48. In both instances, Jesus turned down the offer and refused to drink it, for he knew he was to fully consume the cup the Father had given him to drink. All right, so we know the Romans crucified Jesus when they could have released 
Jesus, the Jews said, crucify him. We want Barabbas. So let's go through that, that process that he was, he, 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 he had bypassed that, or moved past that, that point where they chose Jesus. It says, once the offender reached the place where the crucifixion was to occur, he was laid on the crossbeam he carried with his arms outstretched. Then a soldier would drive a five-inch iron nail through each of his wrists, not the palms of his hand. Even in the video we saw, we saw him drive the nail in the palm. Of, they, didn't, they didn't drive it in the palm. Why? Because it would rip right out. They drove it right here. You've got to understand something about the Romans. The Romans were experts at killing people and torturing them. Crucifixion was the worst kind of death anyone could experience. And they loved to put people on public display to strike fear into the hearts of their, of their friends, but also of their foes. So the, the Romans had become experts at this. They knew exactly how to do it and do it in such a way that it, they, the people that were going through this process screamed in, in, in terror. But it also, they agonized for a long period of time so that the others watching could see how, how, uh, uh, how terrible this death was. And they would draw it out for, for hours. This wasn't just minutes. It says, uh, after being nailed to the crossbeam, the victim was hoisted by rope and the crossbeam was dropped into a notch on top of the upright post. When the crossbeam dropped into the groove in the ground, the victim suffered excruciating pain as his hands and wrists were wrenched by the sudden jerking motion. Then the weight of the victim's body caused his arms to be pulled out of their arm sockets. Josephus writes that the Roman soldiers, out of rage and hatred, amused themselves by nailing their prisoners in different positions. Crucifixion was truly a vicious ordeal. Once the victim's wrists were secured in place on the crossbeam, the feet came next. First, the victim's legs would be positioned so that the feet were pointed downward with the soles pressed against the post on which the victim was suspended. A long nail would be driven between the bones of the feet, lodged firmly enough between those bones to prevent it from turning. In order for the victim to breathe, he had to push himself up by his feet, which were nailed to the vertical beam. However, because the pressure on his feet became unbearable, it was possible for him to remain long in this position. So eventually he would collapse back into the hanging position. As the victim pushed up and collapsed back down again and again over a long period of time, his shoulders eventually dislocated and popped out of joint. Soon the out-of-joint shoulders were followed by the elbows and the wrists. These various dislocations caused the arms to be extended up to nine inches longer than usual, resulting in terrible cramps 
in the victim's arm muscles and making it impossible for him to push himself upward any longer to breathe. When he was finally too exhausted and could no longer push himself upward on the nail lodged in his feet, the process of asphyxiation began. Jesus experienced all of this torture when he dropped down with the full weight of his body on the nails that were driven through his wrists. It sent horrific, excruciating pain up his arms to register in his brain. Added to this torture was the agony caused by the constant grating of Jesus' recently scourged back against the upright post every time. He pushed up to breathe <clears throat> and then collapsed back to a hanging position. Due to extreme loss of blood and hyperventilation, the victim would begin to experience severe dehydration. We can see this process in Jesus' own crucifixion when he cried out, I thirst. John 19, verse 28. After several hours of this torment, the victim's heart would begin to fail. Next, his lungs would collapse, and excess fluids would begin filling the lining of his heart and lungs, adding to the slow process of asphyxiation. When the Roman soldier came to determine whether or not Jesus was alive or dead, he thrust his spear into Jesus' side. One expert pointed out that if Jesus had been alive when the soldier did this, the soldier would have heard a, a loud sucking sound caused by the air being inhaled past the freshly made wound in his chest. But the Bible tells us that water and blood mixed together came pouring out from the wound the spear had made, evidence that Jesus' heart and lungs had shut down and were filled with fluid. This was enough to assure the soldier that Jesus was already dead. It was customary for Roman soldiers to break the lower leg bones of a per person being crucified, making it impossible for the victim to push himself upward to breathe, and thus causing him to asphyxiate at a much quicker rate. However, because of the blood and water that gushed from Jesus' side, he was already considered dead. Since there was no reason for the soldiers to hasten Jesus' death, his legs were never broken. All right, this is just a taste of what the crucifixion was like. And I, you know, I say this, that when Jesus went through that process, we went through it with him. You were crucified with him. Now, here's why I've always said, when a Christian dies, there's no pain in our death. Because that was already paid 2,000 years ago. But if you're not saved, if you're not born again and you're not walking with God, when you die, what you experience will be far greater than this. If you think that was cruel, and excruciating pain, you have not seen anything less. I want all eyes up here. I want all eyes up here. 
what you're going to experience is going to be so painful, it will pale in comparison to what Jesus went through. It will pale in comparison to what Jesus went through. The gift of life is what Jesus said, you've got to die to yourself. Otherwise, you're going to taste a second death. But as a believer, we're not going to taste a second death because we were crucified with him. And it's not my life. It's not your life anymore. It's his life. So, if see, what happens is if you get focused on this life and you're hung up about things on this life, you need to question your walk. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what I need to do to change because you're living for yourself. You're not living for him. If the Lord tells you to do something, are you willing to do it? Whatever it is? I hope so. And I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not saying God's going to tell you to do something like move to Africa or something. I'm not saying that. He, that... He's talking about dying to yourself. Reaching the lost, reaching people that right now they think they're, they're saved. We've got a problem in the church. We've got a lot of people that think they're born again, they're not born again. Why? Because they're, they're so hung up about themselves. He said, except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. Some of you in here right now are abiding alone and you don't even know it. Some of you watching online, you're abiding alone but you don't even know it. Because why? You're so, it's, everything's about yourself. One of the markers of that is when things happen, do you blame other people? Do you blame other people for things that have happened in your life? If you do, you haven't died to yourself. Because i got news for you. Everyone in here, everyone online has had other people do things to them. Every one of us that weren't very nice. And we've done a few things to other people that wasn't very nice. But it's through the grace of God, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we now live through him. You know, as Paul said, I'm a servant of Jesus. A servant. That means if the, if the Lord tells me to do something, I do it. If he tells me to go somewhere, I go. I don't question what time of day it is, the circumstances going, I, I just do what he says. That's what a servant does. Because he said, if, I, if you do that, you will produce much fruit. But if not, you abide alone and you start feeling like everybody's against you. Everybody's against you. The reason why, you haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't come to the end of yourself. And you're not going to experience eternal life in heaven. You'll experience eternal life, but it won't be in heaven, it'll be in hell. And you'll be tormented in hell by the very things that bothered you here on earth. Whatever it is.
if it's greed that bothers you here on earth and you, you've got a problem with greed and you're always money hungry, in hell you'll, you'll have that same issue. You'll be tormented with greed. It'll be taken away from you. It'll look like it's right before, but it'll be taken with you. Whatever sin you committed here on earth, because we've all sinned. You know, the Bible talks about the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only sin which shall not be forgiven. Right? It's the only sin. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Blasphemy is to make fun of. To not take serious. To reject. So the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit would be one that rejects the Spirit of God calling you into the, into the kingdom. It can't be forgiven because you've never received the, you never received the mercy. You've never received the free gift. Now, once you get born again, you can't, you, you're, if you're truly born again, you're not going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit because you've been changed. But somebody that has never, never been born again. Oh, you may have gone to church. You may have even come up to the altar and said a prayer. But see, you didn't mean it in your heart. Because when you do that, you're changed forever. Does it mean you're going to be perfect? No, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to grow. That's why you're going to have to come to church that will feed you. A church, a Bible-believing church that teaches and preaches the Word of God so that what you can grow and start producing fruit and start experiencing the things of heaven and having days of heaven on earth so that what you stay here for a full life for a full life crystal before you leave you're walking in newness of life you can go ahead and go, but I'm just saying that the Lord said, tell her she's walking in the newness of life. Things are changing in your life. <laughs> Things are changing. And they're going to continue. They're going to continue to change. There's new things coming. New things coming. Hallelujah. 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 But God wants more things to be produced in our lives. But what does it take? From, it takes us to die to ourselves. Jesus said, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground, is buried and died, it abides alone. See, for a Christian to tell me that they're fearful of death, they're worried about things, something's not right. And I'm not saying they're not a Christian. I'm just saying something's not right. A lot of the times, it's a simple fact that they've not been taught what the Word says. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for two reasons. A lack of knowledge, and they're rejected. Destroyed. But he said, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. God's not out to kill you. He's not out to hurt you. He's out to help you. 
He's out to heal you, to deliver you. You don't have to walk in defeat. You give your life to him. You give your life, your hearts to him, and when he asks you to do something, you, you, you create that hunger. And how do you create that, that hunger for, for him? You get into his word. You do what the word says. As the Lord's speaking to you, just as he said, he was speaking to me this morning. He said, tell my people that they're crucified with Christ. That's what the word says, crucified with him. That means if I am crucified with Christ, I've, the debt's already been paid. I don't have to pay it again. And I hear Christians all the time say things like, well, this sickness that I have, it's, it's all for the glory of God. Um, God put this on me so that he could teach me something. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Where would God get the sickness from? He'd have to steal it from the devil. And he's not a thief. The reason why bad things happen to us is because there is a devil in the world. And sometimes we do things that open doors for us for things to happen. And the way that you stop that from continuing is you repent. The basics in the church, repent. I know a lot of churches, don't, they don't teach that anymore. I, there was, a couple years ago, I saw a church advertise. It was in another city, but it said, <clears throat> we won't use the R word. Come to church here, we won't use the R word. What's the R word? Repent. Why? Everybody's okay. That's what they teach. Everybody's all right. What Jesus did was a waste of time. The way out of the mess is through Christ. And once that, I'll tell you, when that life comes in you, your life's never going to be the same. Because the light shines brighter and brighter and brighter as you grow. If things are getting dark for you, you're going the wrong direction. And the simple answer, repent. What do you, how do you repent? Father, forgive me. I, I should have done that. I knew better than that. But I went ahead and did it my way. Forgive me for that. He's going to forgive you. He's not going to hold anything against you. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. That's why he went to hell and paid the price for you and me. And now we, today we celebrate his resurrection. He's not on the cross anymore. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And here's the rest of the story. You and I are seated there with him. We're there with him. We're not, we're not back at the cross. We're there with him at the right hand of the Father. He has put everything under his feet. And if it's under his feet, it's under your feet as a believer. Oh, death, where is your sting? No more. I'm not afraid of dying. People are afraid of living. That's the problem. I, and I don't really believe that people are afraid of dying. They're afraid of living. Oh, they'll use the excuse, I, I don't want to die. Well, because you're not right. When you get right with God, death doesn't have a hold on you anymore. Because as a believer, when that day happens, if, unless Jesus comes back, which I believe that's we're getting ready to happen anyway. 
But if he should tarry, one day, all of us, we're coming out of these bodies. But for a believer, you just step out into eternity and you won't miss a lick. There'll be no pain. There's no suffering in it. It's peace. And you'll see angels and you'll see Jesus. When that time comes for a Christian, it is, it's not like an unbeliever. Unbelievers, when they die, it's terror. They're screaming. They're crying. They're in pain. Why? They're going to hell. And unless someone can get in there and say, hey, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, they're going to wind up in hell. But i got news for you. The Holy Spirit, He doesn't stop there. In those moments while you're dying, even through your life that you rejected Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will come to you and say, you want to receive me now? You want to receive Jesus? You can do it. It's not too late. Even though everybody's surrounding you, they, they think you're in a coma and you don't understand anything that's going on. That's a lie. They, they understand everything that's going on because their spirit's still there. That's why you better be watchful when you go around somebody that's in a coma, what you say. Don't gather around them and say, well, this looks like this is it. I hear anybody talk about that. They're going around loved ones that are in a coma. Well, they don't know what you're saying. Yes, they do. Their spirit's still there. Don't tell them it's over with. Tell them, hey, you're, you're going to get on the other side of this thing. You're coming out of this hospital. You're not going to stay in that. It's bad. By his stripes, you're here. We're, we're praying and believing for you. We need you to attach your faith. The Holy Spirit does the same thing to an unbeliever. You're not going to hell. All you have to do is receive Jesus. My father on his deathbed, when my father was alive, I never saw him go to church. He was raised in the church, but he, ne he quit going. Did never talked about the Lord. On his deathbed, I went to him. And I tried to talk to him many times about the Lord. And the Holy Spirit had me there at that right time. I said, Dad, you're getting ready to meet Jesus. And you can meet him and stay in heaven, or you can go to hell. Choice is yours. If you want to go to heaven and stay there and be with him, all you got to do is receive this prayer that I'm going to say to you. And you don't have to say it out loud. Just acknowledge it in your spirit. And I led him in a sinner's prayer. I said, do you, did you, do, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior when I was done? And there was a tear that came out of his eye. I got excited. Because I know he's not in hell. Now, he didn't have to live that way. And I'm telling you, you don't have to live that way. Don't be like a lot of people that think, well, later on in life, I'll get right with the Lord. Here's why. And I believe this is why the Lord had me teach this today. He's coming back. So you're thinking when that day comes, you'll give your life to Jesus. But what are you going to do when the church is out of here? And the Antichrist is revealed. Because there's 
I'm not, I don't have time to teach on it today, but there's actually seven raptures in the Bible. So if you, if you say, well, I don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, I believe in a mid-tribulation, that's fine, there's going to be a mid-tribulation, but I'm out in the first bus load. I'm not sticking around for the mid, and I'm not sticking around for the post. You can if you want to. Jesus said, let it be done unto you according to your faith. Well, if you're believing for a, a, a post-tribulation rapture, by golly, go ahead and have all that tribulation that you want. Just enjoy it. I'm missing it because I'm out of here. But so you see, if you're one of those people that says, when that day comes, I'll get right with the Lord, you're going to go through a tribulation. And you think it's rough now. You ain't seen nothing yet. I've seen what's coming on this earth. You're going to get a mark, whether you want it or not. And when you get that mark, you're going to hell. When you receive the mark of the beast, you're going to hell. There's no way out of it. Because what the mark is going to do to you is the mark is going to change how you think. You will no longer have free choice. Yeah, it's already there. I've seen it. It will change how you think so that you won't even say, I want to receive Jesus. Once that mark's in you, within just a few hours, it changes your mind. You no longer have freedom. You no longer have a free choice of mind. You're going to be connected to the world system. And you will not be able to change your mind. You'll do exactly what the Antichrist tells you to do. Now, there will be people here on earth that won't get that ship. They'll stand firm and they'll say, they'll realize what has happened, that they should have repented and got right with God. They did, but they knew what the Bible was. They went to church and they had ears to hear, but they weren't hearing. And they're going to know, I'm going to have to avoid that ship. Well, see, if you avoid the ship, then you're going to be able to get food. You're not going to be able to travel because you need the ship to travel. So it's going to be rough. It is going to be rough. Some people will make it through it. Very few. Most will die. And the only way you'll be able to die is you'll have to have your head chopped off. And they've got those already ready for you. They're here. So, today's the day. Today's the day. Don't put off Jesus anymore. Because tonight, it, 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 may change, it may be different. I don't know how the rapture is going to happen. I, I got a way I believe it's going to happen. I, I don't believe it's going to be like the movies where we just disappear. And I say that simply because when Jesus left and the angels appeared and they saw Jesus ascend into heaven, he said, in like manner, will the Son of Man come again? in like manner. You'll see them, in other words, they saw Jesus ascend to heaven. They'll see you and me ascend to heaven. They'll see us, but there'll be people that are left behind that they're not going. Why? Because they didn't listen to the word. They didn't do what the word says. And that's what we're talking. We'll talk more about that next Sunday when I complete the book on Revelation. Not the whole book, but the first part of the book where Jesus is talking to the seven churches. All right, so you don't want to miss that. If you miss the first part, go back and catch up on the first part, because those are all important. 
It's important that we're right with the Lord. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Did you get something?